My name's Eric. I am the lead pastor over at our Riverdale location, but I get to come here uh, every once in a while to be with you guys today. And so we are continuing on in this series in the book of Mark that uh, hopefully you've, you've enjoyed being in one book of the Bible since the beginning of the year. Uh, we're in actually the last part of chapter 4 today, and, and in the book of Mark, we've been seeing Jesus as he, as he started his ministry, all these amazing things that he was able to do, and people were wondering, who is this guy, like, and, and, and is he the Messiah, and, and so many people had been really following him around, trying to hear more about him, who is he, what can he do for my life, maybe that's you here today. Because it hasn't changed 2,000 years later. People are still wanting to come and hear, who is Jesus and what can he do in my life? How can, he, how can he calm the storms of my life, the situations? Is there anything that he has to offer me? And I believe Mark is really trying to nail down what we need to really understand and know about who Jesus is. So if you have a Bible, we are going to be in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, and this is a famous story where it talks about Jesus calming a storm. There's a storm in his life, in the disciples, as they cross this, this sea, the Sea of Galilee, a storm pops up and, and he calms this storm. And this is the first time that Mark actually handles Jesus' ability to control nature. We've seen that he can control uh, disease, he can heal people, he's been able to fight evil spirits and cast out demons, he's been able to uh, speak truth into people's lives that change them forever, he's been able to call people to follow him um, and ultimately cause them to change their whole outlook on life, that was his disciples, and, and he's teaching his disciples lessons along the way. As he's revealing who he is, and, and of ultimately heading to the cross, because that was his ultimate goal for coming on earth. But as he's doing that, he also has these 12 disciples, which are his followers. He's teaching them what they're going to do when he leaves. Because the disciples carry on the church that eventually leads to us here today. It's something that, that God's design was that he was going to be here for for 33 years, and for three years he starts his ministry, and it ends when he dies on the cross, and he raises from the dead, and he goes back to heaven, and he leaves his disciples in charge of the church, and they're to carry on this message, the message about Jesus, and the kingdom of God, and the, the good news, the gospel, and I believe this story is a, a training opportunity for Jesus's followers. Now, that's, that really relates to you and, you and I today. We, we are still disciples of Jesus Christ, and, and so we have a lot to learn. And sometimes we look at these stories and we're like, yeah, Jesus was with them. He was training them. We can see that. It's obvious, but, but he's not here anymore. And so when I'm going through storms and struggles and trials in my life, is it for training or is this just random chance, these things that happen to me? Is there this evil force in the world that's trying to get at us? I mean, why does life have so much crazy, crazy trial to it? These crazy events that happen in our lives, things that bring about fear, 
Um, and that's really my question today is when, when storms come in your life, how do you react? How do you react to fear? I remember a story recently. Uh, my, I have, my youngest kid's about 13 months old now. And, and before he was born, my wife, um, we hadn't had a child for eight years. I have four boys now. But, but there was a large span of eight years between our, our second youngest and now our youngest, and she was concerned whether she was, she was reaching the age of, you know, uh, too old to have a, a child, you know, where complications can happen, and, and we reached, you know, the, the full term, I think it was 40 weeks, and still uh, the baby wasn't ready to come out, and we hit 42 weeks, and we were like, what's going on, and, and so we went to the doctor, and, you know, I don't, I don't know if you've ever experienced this before, but nowadays they want to try to get you to make an immediate decision. You know, like, let's get, let's get that baby out of there. And there's good reason why, because if, if the baby stays in there, you know, like the, the, the way he's fed and everything will start to diminish and, you know, calcification and all that type of stuff can happen. His umbilical cord can get get pinched as he gets too big, and that's what was actually happening in my wife at the moment, and, and so they hooked her up to this monitor, and we're, we're listening, we're listening to hear how his heartbeat's going, and every once in a while his heartbeat would drop way low, and that meant that his umbilical cord was getting, you know, pinched, and it was a very scary time for us, you know, it was very, it was a very scary thing for us that we were going through, and and we have a, you know, I'll just be honest and transparent. We have a hard time trusting people, trusting, you know, other pe- people, people that we don't know. That includes doctors, that includes, you know, all kinds of different people out there in the world. And, and so they were, I, we felt like, you know, they were trying, they wanted to have her, you know, do immediate surgery and all this. And, and that was the one thing my wife didn't want to do. And so we started praying, you know, and we're praying and we're nervous and we're calling all our friends from church, please pray, pray, pray for us. And um, they checked her, her dilation and everything and nothing was going on. And we just, we, we just, we couldn't understand. And one of the first things that, that happens in a person of faith is they, they question God. I, that's what we did is we questioned God. We we're like, why are you allowing this in our lives, Lord? Like, didn't, don't you love us? You know, that was the question. Don't you want to favor us and bless us? Why can't we just have a normal birth? You know, why can't we just do this thing naturally and normal the way it was intended? Why, why does there have to be all, the, all these problems and struggles in life? And, and I think, you know, maybe you can relate to that. Maybe it wasn't this. Maybe it was a similar situation, you know, with the pregnancy. But maybe it's something else in your life where... You, you look up and you're like, Lord, I, I, I trust you and I've been following you, but along the way, like, things have been hard. And, and ever since I started following you, Jesus, it's not as if life even got easier. It seems like it actually gets harder sometimes. And it really challenges our faith when these hard times come. Well, good news is, you know, eventually... You, you heard he's 13 months old now. He's, he's healthy and everything. It, it was a really stressful day. We stated that they didn't really let us leave the hospital, and so we were there for like the next two days, you know, trying to get, get him out of there, and he eventually came out, and all was good, 
right? But along the way, it was scary. It was very scary, and there could have been a lot of, a lot of other things. We were fearful about those things. And, and so that's what I want to talk about today is for those of us who are going through trials or storms or, or maybe you've been through it before and you need, to, need a reminder or maybe something is coming up and you don't even know about it. I believe that this message is for you here today. Now, I want to talk about fear real quick. Fear is an emotion that tunes us into safety. Now, fear isn't a bad thing in and of itself. I mean, fear is often looked at negatively, but fear is something that God instilled into us to be able to cause us to react to things, okay? Like, like if, if your safety is in danger, if something is going wrong, it causes an immediate response out of us, but sometimes the wrong response is anxiety and worry, and so the reactions to fear are what we can control. We cannot control that emotion of fear itself. It is instilled in us for good things. That fear is not always a bad thing. It can cause us to want to protect. It can cause us to fight. It can cause us to, to preserve life. So fear causes us to react, and maybe you've heard of these three terms when thinking about fear, reactions to fear. You're either a fight person, you're a flight person, or you're a freeze person. Now, you should talk about this afterwards, you know, with your, your family or your friends or, or someone today. Like, which one of these are you? Are you a fighter? Do you run away, or do you just freeze in, in utter terror and don't do anything now, all of those are, are good and well, but for Christians, when things are going on in our lives, we've got to rise above just the, the physical reactions and think about this fourth one, which is faith. You see, faith ought to be the first response to our fear. We ought to question what we believe about God in the moments of, of these times in our lives that cause fear. And so we're going to look at this story um, in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, about how the disciples reacted to fear uh, when they went through the storm. So let's go ahead and get into these, these verses here. It starts like this. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up, high waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Now, as I said, this is at the Sea of Galilee. It's kind of a shallow body of water. Of course, they did fishing there. And, and, uh, but there was a, this was a, a lake that was surrounded by uh, almost mountains or a mountainous or hill-type region on all sides. And so this would create for these storms or these squalls every once in a while to pop up, you know, with the differences of temperature and the, the wind being, you know, able to circulate uh, in this region. A lot of times storms would, would pop up. Uh, I actually have a friend who was a Box Elder County Sheriff, and over at Willard Bay, I would say that the Sea of Galilee is kind of, you know, quite a bit bigger than that, but similar in the fact that, like, when storms would come up, it would, these, these waves would be able to capsize boats often. And my friend told me 
uh, that many times um, he'd been called out to Willard Bay because it's such a weird, it's a weird body of water. It's very shallow. Uh, and it, it too, you know, we have mountains all around us. It's actually very windy over there as well. I mean, I live, I actually live in Perry and it gets crazy windy, you know, around that, that area. And every once in a while when, when wind picks up, um, because of it's a shallow body of water, it would, it would be able to capsize boats pretty easily. And he would have to, uh, be called out there to, you know, help with identifying or fishing out uh, bodies out of the lake every once in a while. Now, that doesn't, I'm not trying to scare you. Don't go, go play in the water there. It's a great place. I mean, just like Pineview, go, go hang out in the water. Don't, don't, react, <laughs> don't react to this in, in fear and, and not go have fun anymore. But I bring that up just as an example that this is what they're going through. And yet all of these guys, if you remember, these guys are fishermen. So they would have been experienced boaters, okay? Experienced people out on the water. And you would think that that this would be something that was normal to them. That they'd be able to deal with. That they'd be able to to handle it. And yet we're going to see that they react in fear. Now, the other thing about this I want us to see is that Jesus says, let's cross to the other side of the lake. And so, knowing what we know about Jesus, do you think he didn't know this storm was coming? No, he knew. Of course, because he is God in the flesh, he knows all things. He knows past, present, and future. Like destiny and and everybody's book of their life from beginning to end is written out before he was even, before Jesus ever came to this earth, before you and I were ever born, before this earth was ever created, God in his mind knew the beginning from the end. And so Jesus would have known that he was sending his disciples across, across the sea and this storm was going to come up. And so the question is, why? Why would Jesus allow his disciples, to go through such a scary time. Well, as I said before, Jesus is training these guys. He's training them for much, much more difficult situations than this that are going to pop up in their life. And this is one of three times where the disciples are trained in a body of water where it gets a little rough. You know, you've probably can think in your mind some of the other stories, and it was always about how are they going to react to fear, because trials and 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 struggles and storms are what grow people. We're often so very stubborn that it takes difficulties for us to actually learn. We don't learn when things are easy, when everything's going well, when everything's going good. I mean, is not necessarily a learning time. You, you guys remember, you know, if you went to a good school or, or had to grow in, in athletics or anything like that, it was challenge and it was discipline. It was, it was being pushed beyond what, you, you naturally, what was naturally comfortable to you, which causes you to grow. That's the same thing in our lives even now, but spiritually. So don't think that when you're going through storms in your life that Jesus doesn't actually know about it or if he's not actually behind causing it. 
If he's not actually the one saying, okay, I'm going to put them through this. I'm going to take them through this. I'm literally going to hop in a boat and take them through this because they have a lesson to learn. And as a matter of fact, 1 Peter really tells us like what the purpose of trials are. These trials will show us that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Now, what are some examples of trials and storms, right? Because we're not talking about all of us, you know, having to go through a literal storm in a boat. <laughs> uh, I'm probably going to stay out of boats after this, but you guys... Actually, I've always been afraid to go, like, on a cruise, you know? Because, like, the one thing about being in a boat, if you're not the captain, but even if you were, you're not in control. It's kind of like flying in an airplane, too, you know? But, like, I... But at least in an airplane, I, I don't know. Like, somehow I cannot think about it, but I'm just... I don't want to go on a cruise yet. I don't have that much faith yet, you know, because I'm a control freak. I really am. I'm a control freak. Like, anytime we go on vacations, I'm driving the whole time. You know, it doesn't matter if it's 12, 16 hours and I'm nodding off. It's like, no, I'm driving. Like, I got to make sure things are going on. But what are some examples of storms and trials in our lives that this could represent? I would first bring up the most, if you're married here today, you know, marriage problems are storms. Marriage problems are trials. Sometimes we just wonder, why can't this just be the best relationship we have on earth, right? Like, we, we started with all this love and we wanted this happily ever after thing that is promised to us or that Hollywood promises to us. And yet, that's not what's happening in in, in, in your marriage right now. Maybe there's some struggle, some trial, some, some strife, and you're, you don't quite understand what the reason is, like why, you know? And you, many of you are like, I know what the reason is. It's because they're stubborn, you know, or they're this or they're that, right? I mean, which causes more problem. And then you'll never find the solution because of the pride <laughs> and lack of humility. Maybe it's financial issues, you know, you're trying to do everything to make ends meet, and it doesn't seem like there's hope. You know, people tell you to have faith and, and believe that you're going to make it and just do the next right thing. Addiction, you know, children who struggle with addiction, children who've wandered away from the faith, who are causing all kinds of problems at home, mental and emotional disorders. Maybe you've prayed for your loved one, or it's you yourself who's, who, who wants this depression taken away, who wants this anxiety taken away, wants a, a certain mental illness to go away, but it just remains. And yet you, you, you wonder why would the Lord allow that? Why would the Lord allow for these, these trials like this? Accidents. You know, I, I was this... You know, so Ross, many of you guys know Pastor Ross. He was the pastor at Wasatch Church before it turned to Alpine, and now he's a teaching pastor at Alpine Church. And, and recently he got in, a, in a, a bicycling accident, you know, like 
and pretty bad. Had a concussion, broken ribs. He's doing great. I went and visited him on Friday. We spent two and a half hours together. But, but like, the thing is, is it's, it's, it's going to cause him to have to, you know, take a long break from, from doing the thing that he loves. And, and it's, he's uncomfortable, you know, and he had to have surgery and, and all this stuff. And, and it's like, why? why? Why is that allowed to happen in his life? I've met so many people. I mean, car accidents and, and, and things that happen to people in and the question is, is, is why? This is going to change my life forever. We're afraid, like in the moment, if you've ever been in one of those, those emergencies, you know, right in the moment, you're so afraid of what this is going to do to change your life forever. There are so many things that a storm could represent in our lives, and I believe that that's what God is wanting us to see in this story and yet, Jesus is right there in the boat with his disciples, and he's going to teach them a lesson. And it starts with a rude awakening for the disciples, but more importantly, for Jesus. Here's what happens in the, rest of the, in the next part of it. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was great calm. There's a lot to unpack in this verse here, but first I want to talk about how Jesus is sleeping. How is he able to sleep? Like the storm is still going on and Jesus is sleeping. It's amazing to me because... It really reveals that Jesus is truly man. Not only is he truly God and has the power over the wind and the waves, which is something we should pay attention to, and I think Mark is really driving at, is that Jesus is God who not only has the power to heal and cast out demons and perform miracles, but he also controls creation and nature, and only God can, cre- can control creation. But yet... Jesus is sleeping during this storm. It really shows his humanity. He was so worn out and tired from the ministry that he's been doing at the moment that he could actually sleep. He could also actually sleep during a storm because he had perfect peace. He knows the future. He knows that God is going to deliver. He knows that he's going to deliver them from this storm, that it's not ultimately going to end in their demise. Jesus knows that. Therefore, he's able to have peace. He's able to trust. But yet the Bible, it's interesting, the Bible in in Psalm 121, it says that, that God never sleeps nor slumbers. And so maybe, you know, you think, I don't want to go to God in prayer in my emergency, in my situation, because he probably doesn't have enough time to listen to me. Maybe he's got bigger fish to fry, bigger things to deal with, and so I've got to control this situation on my own. That's often what we do. If we think back to the fight, flight, or freeze mentality when reacting to fear, oftentimes what I know that I do Um, because I haven't trained myself perfectly yet, is I'm a fighter, you know? And so 
So when something comes up, and, and mainly with my mouth, I've been, I've been blessed and cursed with the ability to, to speak a lot, you know, and, and what happens is, is I, I immediately react to things with a lot of words, you know, and which gets me in more trouble, especially in my marriage, and I wish that I would react in faith more often, you know, but oftentimes we, we try to control things and we immediately react and we forget to go to the Lord. Now, we see in this story that they went to the Lord. <laughs> that was one of the first things they did, but they, they did it in somewhat of a rude manner. They said, don't you care that we're going to drown? They woke up Jesus, and, and really this proves their almost lack of faith, like that, that Jesus isn't going to do something about it. Um, after all that they'd seen him do, they're really, they're really now like questioning, does he even care? He's been caring for people all along. He's been loving on these guys and, and doing all kinds of things to prove who he is, not just his power, but his love and his care. And they're questioning, don't you even care? And maybe for some of you, you don't go to God because you think he doesn't care. You think that maybe he's mad at you because of all the sin in your life, all the mistakes that you've made in your life. And, and so you don't go to him. That's not your first reaction is to drop in prayer to ask the Lord. And you know what? You know, God would be right to look at us with disgust sometimes, or, or at least disappointment. God would be right to, to uh, not answer all our prayers and to ignore us. And it, it might be right that God has bigger things to deal with than just us, but yet God is powerful enough to handle all of those things all at once. If he can hear the prayers of every single person, and he can control creation, and he can really know the beginning from the end, then certainly has enough power to be able to hear and listen and work out even the smallest of details in our lives. But you would think them, them coming to him and, and being rude like that, you know, God would be right. He would have been right to stand up and be like, how dare you wake me up from my slumber? Like, okay, it's, it's over. You guys are done. I'm going to start over with a new group of humble guys that actually believe me and have faith, right? He could have just, let's just wipe them out in this storm. But he doesn't do that. He graciously wakes up. He doesn't rebuke them. Instead, he rebukes the wind and the waves. It's a silence and be still. And suddenly, the wind stopped. And there was great calm. Because God is a good God. God is a gracious God. God is a forgiving God. He, he loves us so much that he's willing to overlook all of our stupidity, all of our pride, all of our arrogance, all of our acting in, in, in too much fear and in anxiety rather than acting in faith. You know, Psalm 107, I love this psalm. It says, some went off to sea in ships, and it's, it's really a psalm of explaining God's goodness. Plying the trade routes of the world, they too observed the Lord's power in action, his impressive works on the deepest seas. He calmed the storm to a whisper and stilled the waves. 
Let them praise the Lord for his great love. The Psalms are, are books, they're songs. It's actually the biggest book in the Bible. And these are songs that remind us of God's goodness and how he's delivered us from so many things. That's why we worship on Sundays with the words that we're singing. We're recounting all of God's goodness. We are worshiping him in truth. We're looking back on our lives. We're looking back in the history of the Bible and we're seeing his faithfulness to you and me. And that's what they're doing in the Psalms. Even 3,000 years ago, some of these songs and poems that were written are, are for us and for them to remember the Lord's goodness. And so when we look at how the disciples reacted, we shouldn't necessarily take their example of fear and, and being rude to God or not, not going to God in, in, in the proper faith, but we should remember all that he's done. Certainly, Whatever you're going through right now isn't the first storm you've ever been in in your life, right? You can look back, if you're a believer here today, you can look back at your life and see that that thing that you were fearful of, even if it had terrible, uh, a terrible conclusion or end to it, you can see how it shaped your life. You know, where, where Romans 8.28 says, God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him. And they're called according to his purpose. And that verse is used a lot, right? It's used a lot. But think about the reality of the terrible things that have happened in our lives. And yet you're still here today. You're still able to praise the Lord. And it's made you a better person. It's built your character. It's built your faith. This is the reaction that we ought to have in these storms then. Is to go to the Lord in respect in, 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 in awe, in wonder, in worship, in remembrance, in faith in all that he has done in our lives. Instead of having fear, we've got to react with faith. Here's what Jesus says as he responds. He, then he asks them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. You see, I believe the the whole point of this was to train them to have greater faith in the midst of trials. I've said that several times now. It's interesting that he adds this in here uh, right after all the parables we went, went through about what faith looks like and how people come to faith and how the kingdom of God is built. And so once you have faith and you are in the kingdom of God, the first thing that you need to learn is life is hard and there are going to be storms and trials and struggles and you're going to have to learn how to make it through those times with faith over fear. You see, he equates their fear or the way they react in fear to little faith. I have a a commentary here that says two rhetorical questions are asked. One about their fear or cowardice and one about their lack of faith. The two go hand in hand. Followers of Jesus need boldness in the face of life's challenges and trust in God's ability to bring them through. You see, God doesn't want us to live in fear. God wants us to react in faith. In fact, 
I don't know if you've heard this before, but the Bible 365 times has a verse that says, do not fear or have no fear. And here's an example of one of them in, in Isaiah, or Isaiah 41.10. I guess I don't have it up here, actually. Isaiah 41.10, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God says, do not fear, have faith instead. And he says it at least 365 times in the Bible so that we can have that statement in our lives every day of the year. Now, leap year, I don't know, you're on your own. That's up to you. But the rest of the days of the year, you can have no fear Because of what the Lord has done. And that's the whole purpose of the Bible. Is to remind us of God's goodness. Of his power. Of his love for us. You see. Faith isn't just some kind of mental gymnastics that we do. It isn't kind of some some thing that we say out of our mouths. Yes, I believe. You know, I have faith, right? Like, faith is more than just what we think and hear. But it should move down to our heart. And our heart causes us to make decisions and to act and to move. And so real faith trusts God even in the midst of scary, hard times and trials. That's what we need. That's what we need in this life because Jesus never came. and He didn't come and suffer and die for us because of our sin and then raise again, and, and then his followers after that be persecuted, and they've also been, for thousands of years, been martyred and killed and minimized all over the world. He, that he didn't ever promise all your problems would go away if you come to faith in me. Now, I know that there are probably teachers and preachers out there that they want to make this huge emphasis on when you come to the Lord, your life's going to be great. Everything's going to be good. You're going to be wealthy, healthy, and happy. But that simply just is not the truth. That's like a bait and switch tactic that people use. They want to get you in here with all kinds of, you know, gumdrops and lollipops and and fluffy words of encouragement. And of course, we should be encouraging with the words of God. But yet, What happens, what I'm sick of seeing is people coming into the church and they were promised all this stuff that they didn't quite understand. And yet when life continues to be hard, nobody ever trained them to live by faith. Nobody ever told them that Jesus didn't come and try to escape fear. He didn't try to come and escape death even. He didn't escape the storms and trials, but he came down and he was an example for us and he went through all of the torture and the persecution and the loneliness and the despair of his life and being deserted even by his closest disciples at the end. He didn't try to escape all of that. No, he had perfect trust in the Father as well. And he said, not my will, but yours be done. And so this is what I would have you leave with. If you're going through a storm or a trial in your life, and you know that God knows the beginning from the end, instead of thinking that everything in life is random, 
and it isn't going to be used for good, but this is just for your demise, have faith. Believe that God is in more control than what you can even imagine or fathom. And that this could be something that is shaping your character. And God gets to decide what he's going to do with his creation. It's not as if he just started the world and like spun it up and said, okay, I'm going to step back and I'm going to see what they do. And they just deserve all the consequences they get. No, he is actively in the boat with us in our trials, in our storms, in the temptations in life. It's a biblical thing. I, I love also in this verse, it says that they were terrified. Not, but this is after the storm, all right? So, so they're fearing something. There's, a, there's another fear in them, but it's not about the storm because Jesus calmed the storm. And so what are they terrified about? They're terrified about the power of Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh, they're fearful of him. You know that fear, as I said, is a healthy thing. And you know what the Bible says about fearing the Lord? It's the beginning of all wisdom and knowledge. Fear the Lord rather than creation. We need to fear God rather than the things that God created. And fear of the Lord doesn't just mean that, yes, if I do the wrong thing, he could zap me or, or, or smite me. No, it's fear him as if there are consequences. He's my trainer. He's, he's, he's the boot camp instructor. And, and, and there are things in life that I've got to pass the test. There are things in life that I've got to exemplify my faith. There are things that he is using to make my faith more genuine. To get all of the, the doubt out of there. And so... Psalm 46, I love this. It says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea and let, let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. He is present. The Bible says, as I said, he never sleeps or slumbers. He is always ready to receive you and to hear you. And he goes on in this verse and says, be still and know that I am God. If you're going through a storm, a struggle, a trial, if you've got something going on in your life or if you can recount something he's delivered you from, remember, know that God is God and you are not. And he's going to use this situation for your good and ultimately for his glory, because this is what God does. This is how he makes us more holy. Here's this verse again. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We've got to have faith over fear. Would you guys pray with me? Father, we come to you, Lord, and we want to offer you worship and praise and honor for all that you've done and all that you will do in our lives. And we do know and accept the fact that this life is hard. And oftentimes it's because of our own sin that we cause the storms in our lives. First and foremost, we need you to take care of the biggest thing in our life, and that is our need to be forgiven, to be saved, and to have a relationship with you. And so thank you for doing that by sending your son to die on the cross, Father. 
I pray, Lord, that from the moment on that every one of us trust and believe in Jesus, that you deliver us through our fearful circumstances and help us to realize what you're trying to instill in us is more faith, genuine faith. Thank you for being the author and finisher of our faith, Lord, and so all the glory goes to you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.